Hey guys, and thank you for tuning in to the Crimson Flow Biblecast podcast. I hope this podcast blesses you like it has me by reading the Word of God. So don't forget to share with your family and friends. Thank you all, and God bless you. Welcome back to another episode of Crimson Flow Biblecast on this Sunday morning. Now remember, for those of you that don't know, Sunday is my long episode. It can range anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. Probably won't make it more than an hour. That's the average Sunday school time, 30 minutes to an hour. So that's ample time to go over what we're going going over. We are studying through the life of Moses and... That being said, we have made it through the fifth chapter of Exodus. I will be honest with you. I started recording this. I thought we had only made it through the fourth chapter. I started reading it, and I was like, I've read this before in an earlier podcast episode. So I went back and looked, and I honestly had already read that part in the podcast, but I had mislabeled it in the in the title and I had got to, in the scripture references on the description, I had put 1 through 4 instead of 1 through 5. So we are actually on chapter 6 starting out today. So that's that's going to be pretty cool. And uh, let's just continue the journey of Moses. Now, to set up the precedent of what's going on here is Moses and Aaron have been called to rescue the Hebrew children from Egypt, from their bondage, from slavery, and... The Pharaoh's just not having it. He's already um, made the, uh, the the Hebrew children's lives harder. He, he won't go, or he told the taskmasters to not go and get any more equipment for them. they got to go get it themselves. So not only do they got to build the items or whatever they're making or working on, they, but they have to go harvest the in, ingredients or the materials themselves to make them, just making their job much, much harder. And that's pretty much where we left off uh, in at the end of chapter 5. Now, keep in mind, God had told Moses and Aaron that he would harden the Pharaoh's heart a couple of times. But let's see what happens. Chapter uh, 6 in Exodus, verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For a, with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But my by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein that they were strangers. Okay, now this basically, the land of Canaan translates into what everybody today says, the promised land. Which is essentially, they may even call it that later on in the text because Moses' life ranges from Exodus 1 to the last chapter of Deuteronomy. So we have a really long, decent journey to, to go over with what happens to him. Now there may be a few of them that I pre-read in like Leviticus and Numbers because a lot of them are just very repetitive or they are doing bloodlines, you know what I mean? Like the so-and-so begat so-and-so, which is important in its own right, but for the context, I may just skip over to those chapters. 
So let's just uh, let's just keep reading. And it says, and I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. See, he made a blood covenant with Jacob and Abraham that he would rescue or he would get them out of their bondage. Okay. And it says, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for people, for a people, and I will be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of Egyptians. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hear hearken not unto Moses for anguish of the spirit for a cruel bondage. I can't speak for today for some reason. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me, who am, who am of uncircumcised lips? And the Lord spake unto Moses and, and unto Aaron, and gave them a charge unto the children of Israel, unto the Pharaoh king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These be the heads of their fathers' houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanuk, and Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These be the families of Reuben, and the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, and Jamin, and Ohad, and Jachin, and Zohar, and Zaul, and son of Canaan, Itish woman. These are the families of Simeon. Okay, I'm just going to, real quick... And due to the magic of editing, you won't even notice. But I'm going to scan through to see when the uh, names stop. Okay, that was a little quick uh, break, I guess you could say. Um, and you all won't even know that's there. But I had to scan through. And basically what those verses are trying to tell us is it's a direct bloodline from Israel to Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron are, are either brothers or cousins. I think they're brothers. But it's a direct bloodline from Israel, okay? So that's why God picked Moses. And we're going to skip on down to verse number 26, and it says, These are that Aaron and Moses, to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, according to their armies. Then in verse 27, it says, These are they which spake to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are that Moses and Aaron. And it came to pass on the day when the Lord spake unto Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I am the Lord, speak thou unto Pharaoh king of Egypt all that I say unto thee. And Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am uncircumcised lips. How shall Pharaoh hearken unto me? Okay, that was basically the end of that first chapter we're going to read today. Yes, I'm going to keep going. It's only been seven minutes. This is Sunday episode. It's supposed to be longer. So let's just keep on rolling through. Steamroll. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. 
Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs, my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that I may lay my hand upon Egypt. Bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from them, among them. And Moses and Aaron did as, they, as the Lord commanded them, so did they. Don't you just love how in these like first books, that it seems like they narrate what they're going to do right before they do it. So it's kind of repetitive. So just hang in there, guys. I know. But this is going to get pretty interesting, especially when the wonder starts happening. But see, like I mentioned earlier, he, the Lord had said that he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart because he needed to, for some reason, he wanted to show some signs and wonders unto Egypt in signs and wonders they definitely were so let's see what they were and at this time and it says and moses was four score years old now four score is 80 and aaron was four score and three years old and so he's 83 when they spake unto pharaoh and the lord spake unto moses and unto aaron saying when pharaoh shall speak unto you saying show a miracle for you then thou shalt say unto aaron take thy rod and cast it before pharaoh and it shall become a serpent then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantments. So put into perspective what we're, what we're trying to visualize here is we're, we've got two 80-something-year-old men, and two of them is called from God. The others are not. And this brings up a very, very important topic. There is a rule... I guess you could say in heaven, but in the earth, when it comes to angelic or fallen angelic powers. The devil cannot create. He can only twist and manipulate stuff that God has already created. And we already know that in the book of Genesis, when he showed up to Eve, he was a snake or a serpent, okay? So, turning something into a serpent is not going to be the hard for the devil who is in these sorcerers. We all know that witchcraft is against the Bible. We all know that sorcery is against the Bible, okay? It's against God. Because in my opinion, it's taking his work or his creation, doing something with it with the powers of the devil, if that makes sense and you're not trusting upon him to do that for you. Okay, so it said right here, Moses and Aaron threw the stick down, and the sorcerers did the same. They threw their canes down or whatever, and they both turned into serpents. Rods, that's what it called it, rods. But listen to this. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Notice that God's people's was a lot more powerful and a lot better than the ones they were casting out. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart. This is this is the Lord hardening it, that he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuseth to let the people go. Get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning. Lo, he goeth out unto the water. 
Thou shalt stand by the river's brink, against he come, and the rod, which was turned to a serpent, shall thou take in thine hand. And thou shalt say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. And behold, hitherto thou would, wouldest not hear. Thus saith the Lord, and this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. And behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. Okay, just two days in, he showed one wonder of a basically a thick stick turning straight into a snake. Not only is it a snake, but it's a big enough snake to to gobble up all the snakes that the sorcerers cast out out of their rods. Okay. But now, the next day, because Pharaoh's heart had been hardened by God, the rivers had turned to blood, and they stink, and the fish are dying. So there goes their fish crop, okay? No more seafood, okay? Red Lobster ain't getting no seafood right now. That was a joke. I wouldn't be serious. I know there were no red lobsters back then. And then, then it says, the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water. I mean, I wouldn't want to drink stinky water, especially if it was turned to blood. I mean, it's kind of obvious we, I'm going to loathe to drink it. And it said, and the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians... Okay, I've already read that part. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon all the pools of water that they may may be become blood and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone and Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded and he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood and the fish that was in the river died and the river stank and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart was, heart was hardened, neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. Okay, let's just stop right here and say what's happening, give a little detail. You know, the, the sorcerers, they're still there. The Pharaoh has brought them in specifically to prove that mainly to himself, I think, that the God that they're talking about is a God of their imagination. That's what he's trying to prove to himself or trying to prove to them that saying, you might have heard this or you might have felt like they, he told you this, but it's not true because he, he doesn't believe, okay? So with that being said, these sorcerers are there to perform all the quote-unquote magic tricks that... Moses and Aaron do and each one that the sorcerers do and and completes successfully is less that the Pharaoh is going to believe these guys okay so then it says and Pharaoh turned and went into his house neither did he set his heart to this also and all the Egyptians digged round about the river for the water to drink for they could not drink of the water of the river and seven days were fulfilled after that the Lord had smitten into the river okay now keep in mind the children of Israel lived off in a little different area. Kind of like segregation was back in the 60s. They had their own little special living quarters. Special living quarters. 
they were off to the edge. Now, if I remember correctly, when I was uh, listening to a sermon on this, none of the area that they lived in was affected by these curses, okay? And I believe it says it later on. Okay, so we should just continue on into chapter 8. And it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, upon thy people, and into thine ovens and into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both upon and they, upon thee and upon thy people and upon all the servants. Okay, now, now, I don't mind frogs. I'm not scared of frogs. I don't like little creatures like that jumping on me. I can't stand the way they feel. I've ate frog legs. They're delicious to me. Okay? But I do not like stuff jumping on me. It, it doesn't freak me out. I just can't stand the feeling of it. Okay? So could you imagine frogs coming from every direction, two or three of them are jumping on you at a time, jumping on everybody you know? I feel like it would be a horrible situation. So that's what's going on right here. And it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say it unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand and with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause the frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. I kind of apologize for reading this so fast because it is so repetitive. It's it's going to be the same thing over and over and over uh, because God's got to say it, then he's got to tell Aaron and to do it, and then they got to say that they done it. You see what I mean? And it says, And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. So not only did... Moses and Aaron do it, the sorcerers did it as well. So that's twice as many frogs. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me, when shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy thy frogs from thee and thy houses? that they may remain in the river only. And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee, and from thy houses, and from thy servants, and from thy people, they shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses and out of the villages and out of the fields. But And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. Okay, now not only is this red uh, water bloody, you know, scene and the rivers stinking, but now the whole land stinks because they got nothing but a big pile of dead frogs there. Now, I don't I don't know about you all, but I've, I've had like a animal or something like that that has died on the side of the road next to my house and for about two or three days later that there is a unbearable stink that starts coming from that animal but you know that if you try to touch it there's a possibility that where it's all swelled up it could explode and you don't want all that stuff on you that's just nasty so you just got to kind of deal with it until it go till it rots enough where it goes away 
and it's just the thought of millions of frogs being heaped into a pile and they're doing nothing but rotting and rot and you know all that smell is just ugh, you know i mean that's just horrible Okay, now on to verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. So he basically said yes, and after they left, he changed his mind. Lord help Pharaoh. You know, he he just can't make up his mind. And he said, And the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lost throughout all the land of Egypt. Oh, here we go. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lost in man and, and in beast, and, and the dust of the land became lost throughout the land of Egypt. So there's land, lice coming up out of the sand. There's lice coming out off the the animals like the cows and the and the donkeys and everything and, and now there's lice coming out of their own hair and it's just nothing but lice around the area around the air and in the area let me say that and the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice so they did it too or no they could not it says but they could not i was mistaken so there were lice upon man and upon beast so this is getting to the point like I said, the devil cannot re, uh, create. He can only recreate and manipulate what God has already created because in the first two, we know he created a snake out of a rod, which he had turned himself into a snake before, or a serpent. Then the frogs and everything, he could have had all the frogs come from an area into that and kind of congregate there. He also, in the in the red water where the fish stink, all he's got to do is manipulate the water enough to where it's poisonous to the fish and then turn colors, you know. So he can only re- recreate and manipulate what God has already created. But this would be creating so much lice, he would definitely have to create because it just came out of nowhere. It wasn't there to start with. It just popped out of nowhere, and boom, there it was. All right, let the itching commence, and let's read on. Then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. So now he don't even want to believe it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else if thou wilt not let my people go, Behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, and into the houses, and the houses of Egypt. Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, to the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth." And I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. And the Lord did so, and there became a grievous swarm of flies, the house of Pharaoh, into the house of Pharaoh, and into the servants' houses, and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reasons of the swarm of flies. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go ye sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet so to do. 
for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, and he shall command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only ye shall not go very far away. Entreat for me. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee, and I will entreat thee, entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully any more in not, in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. There remained not one. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at the time also, neither would he let the people go. So once again, he has changed his mind, or either that or he lied. He, he may have just uh, downright lied. He probably knew in his heart he wasn't going to let them go. He just wanted to get you know the flies off of him, trying to use excuse after excuse to get what he wanted out and not what needed to be done out. Okay, so this is going to take us into chapter 9, and why not? Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if thou refuse to let them go, and wilt, by, and wilt hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep, that there shall be a very grievous murrain. Now, let's stop for a second and figure out what the word murrain means. Murrain is a very, very infectious disease affecting cattle and, like, herding animals. Herding, A-T-R-D-I-A-N, or her, well, I can't even spell it, A-T-R-D-I-N-G, animals, okay? And it said, And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel. And the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died, but the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. So none died to the future Jews. Let's just call them that. It says the children of Israel, which is basically what they are, it, they're direct descendants of Israel himself. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of Israelites dead, and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened once again, and he did not let the people go. So now he's just ticked off, I feel like. And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, Take you unto the, take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And it shall become small dust in, the, in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a bull-breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beasts and throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh and Moses and sprinkled it upward toward heaven and it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beasts. So now all the cattle's died but all the other one, all the asses and everything and humans now when they threw this dust up in the air the ashes these boils Pain, bo painful boils just started popping up all over the place. 
looked like they got into like a bad explosion with third degree blisters and everything. That's how bad it was. Now, keep in mind, guys, that the sorcerers have done gave up a long time ago. They done said, you know what? This is God. I ain't messing with it. So the Pharaoh is just now, he's just saying, you know what? I ain't doing it. You know, kind of one of those things. Now he's just trying to see how long he can hold out. But the magicians are still here watching this because it'll say later. And it said, and the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boil was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. So, see, now God is hardening his heart. And it said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart and upon thine servants and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. For now I will stretch out my hand that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in my in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. And as yet exaltest thou thyself against my people, that thou wilt not let them go. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as hath had such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof, even until now. Send therefore now, and gather thy cattle, and all that thou hast in the field, for, for upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field, and shall not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them, and they shall die. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of the Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses, and he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle into the field. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven. There may be a hail in all the land of Egypt, and upon man, and upon beast, and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along the, upon the ground, and the, Lord, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. Being as I am only 28 years old, and I don't want to say fairly new, but I'm new-ish to studying the Bible. So this is much as of a learning experience as it is for me as it is you. But I just want to say this. It befuddles me or makes me very curious as to why after all this, before the the hail, that the Lord wanted to harden Pharaoh's heart again. Um, you know, part of me wants to say that it was because he wanted to put a showing upon Egypt or upon Pharaoh that this is what happens when you don't obey the Lord. But part of me also says it was a punishment for all the years of slavery that he put upon the the Israelites. So I don't really know the exact answer. And if I ever get the exact answer, I will let you guys know. 
So now he has called all this hailstorm upon the land of Egypt. That everything, if they don't get inside, they're going to die. We're talking about baseball, softball size hail. Get knocked in the head with one of them. You're either going to be in the hospital for a very long time or you're going to be six feet under. Okay, it's going to be a hailstorm like has never been seen before. Then it says, so there was hail and and fire mingled with the hail. So I'm, I'm assuming lightning and thunder. Very grievous such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. And the Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. Entreat the Lord, for it is enough that there may be that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail, and I will let you go, and ye shall stay no longer. And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, and neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. But as for thee and thy servants, I know that ye will not yet fear the Lord God. And the flax and the barley was smitten, for the barley was in the ear, and the flax was boiled. But the wheat and the rye were not smitten, for they were not grown up. And Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, and spread abroad his hands unto the Lord, and the thunders and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured upon the earth. So it was just thundering and hail. No rain, just thundering and hail. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, okay, maybe it was rain. Okay, that had me a little confused right there. He sinned yet more and hardened his heart. See, he hardened his own heart now. And he and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord has spoke by Moses. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart. Okay, now God hardened his heart. And the heart of his servants, them too, that I might show these my signs before him, and that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them that ye may know how that I am the Lord. And Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go, and that, that they may serve me. Else, if thou refuse to let thy, my people go, behold, tomorrow will I bring the locusts unto thy coast. And they shall cover the face of the earth, and that one cannot be able to see the earth that they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped, which remaineth unto you from the hail, shall, and shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. And they shall fill thy houses, and the houses of all thy servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither thy fathers nor thy father's fathers have ever seen, since the day that they were upon the earth unto this day. And he turned himself and went out from Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's servants said unto him, how long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou 
not yet that Egypt is destroyed. So now his servants are begging him, just like, just let them go. He's going to kill us. They may not believe that they're getting commandments and and this power from God. Now keep in mind, Moses and Aaron themselves are not doing the magic. That's the difference between them and the sorcerers. They are getting the power from God. The sorcerers are doing it themselves via the workings of the devil. You know, that's just my belief. You you know, you can believe otherwise, but it, I feel like it's more biblical to believe that it is the power of the evil one or of the devil that they are sourcing their power through to do this magic or replication of what they're doing. And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go serve the Lord your God, but who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old and with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds, and we will go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go, and your little ones look to it, for evil is before you. Not so, go now ye that are men, and serve the Lord, for that ye did desire, and they were driven out from the Pharaoh's presence. So he's not going to let them all go, he's just wanting the men to go. So that creates a problem, because the whole group of people is the ones that needs to go, and they have to go take their cattle and all, everything, or their flocks, and they got to go out, and they ha- got to have this big old feast for the dinner, which we learned later on that it is the Passover. That's where the Jewish Passover comes from, is from this beginning celebration where they were rescued from the Egyptians. So now the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, even all the hail that hath left. So everything that's left that the hail did not destroy, the locusts are going to take care of it. And Moses stretched forth his hand, or his rod, over the land of Egypt. And the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested in the coast of Egypt. Were very, and rested in all the coast of Egypt. Very grievous were they. Before them there were no such locusts as they. Neither after them shall they be such. So basically what this is saying is there had never been a plague of locusts that big and there never will be again because it was a direct commandment of God. Now I believe that those plagues are coming again because Revelations tells us there will be plagues in the end and there will be sicknesses, there will be wars and rumors of wars and all that other stuff. So I believe the plagues are coming back. Do I believe it may it be a locust plague? It's possible. Why not, you know? But at the same time, I know that God is God. And there's only one thing he would never do again that he he did. He, he would never flood the earth again. And that was the covenant of the rainbow that Moses, or that, uh, not Moses, but Noah seen when he looked out the ark. It, the rainbow was a covenant from God unto Noah and his family that he would never flood the earth again. Of course, we all know in Revelations that the earth is going to be cleansed with fire and brimstone. And brimstone, if you don't know, is a melted rock that comes out of um, out of volcanoes. It's the product of a volcano. All that rock that comes up and it melts and it it just goes back down. 
stinks like sulfur, that is brimstone. Once I get done with the Proverbs series on my weekday episodes, I may do a Revelation series. I've always been intrigued by Revelations, and I am ashamed to say that I have never read this all the way through. I've never read Revelations all the way through. So I think it would be interesting if I did that because then I could literally read it for myself and interpret it what the way I feel God wants me to interpret it because I never had read it before. Maybe my mind won't have any thoughts and quotations around that about it. You know what I mean? I've read a few chapters, but not the whole thing in, in, in its entirety. So the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested in all the coast of Egypt. Very grievous were they because there was no locusts as they, neither after them shall they be such. For they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened. And they did eat every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. And there remained not any green thing in the trees or in the herbs or in the field all through the land of Egypt. So these little boogers just devoured every smidgen of herb across the whole land of Egypt. And that's half your food supply right there, especially back in that day, they didn't have the option to have a choice of, I'm only going to eat vegetables today, or I'm only going to eat meat today. They had to eat what they had. Well, unless you were Pharaoh, then you could eat what you wanted. Okay, so I'm going to try to speed this next part up, because I'd like to at least get to the part where it's the last plague, okay? Or the last uh, showing. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste, and he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once, and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. And he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a mighty strong west wind, which took away the locusts and cast them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the coast of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart once again, so that he would not let the children of Israel go. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, and that there may be a darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had lied in their dwellings. You know, when I read this, I get the sense that it's not the light was turned out. You know, we, we see that it says that it went dark. But I don't think it went dark. I think the air turned black, if that makes sense. Because it said right here that the people in the Israel, uh, the land of Goshen, they had lights. I feel like the air turned black and it was like a thick black fog because it said it was like a it was a dark that could be felt for three days. If like a thick, you know, like you're trying to move through like a thin water, you know, like a cloud or something like that, that it was just pitch black and completely took suck the light out of everything. And then it says, And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. So now he's telling them they can go, but they got to leave their animals behind, which doesn't work very well because they got to have a feast. And how do they have a feast? Well, they got to kill the animals. 
So how and also how can they sacrifice without taking an animal? That that's another thing. And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not be an hoof left behind, and for thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God. And we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said unto him, Get thee from me, take heed to thyself, and see my face no more. For in that day thou seest my face, thou shalt die. And Moses said, Thou hast spoken well, I will see thy face again no more. Okay, this is get is where it gets pretty antsy. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet I will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor, and every woman of her neighbor, jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor inside of Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even of the, unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beast. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how the Lord doth put a difference between Egyptians and Israel. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me, and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh, and in great anger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he would not let the children of Israel Go out of his land. Okay, I think that for today is where we're going to stop there. Because I'm just going to go over a little bit and explain what's going on in this little last bit. And then what's going to go happen in the chapter 12. Chapter 11 is basically the last plague that, that God wants to put upon Pharaoh. But the thing is, it's pretty self-explanatory. It basically says all the firstborns, meaning the first ones that were born of every... Uh, person in Egypt and the firstborns of all the animals is just going to fall over dead. That's basically what it means. Okay. It can't get more self-explanatory than that. But in chapter 12, I kind of glanced over it a little bit and it begins to talk about the Passover and the um, the traditions of the feast and, and stuff like that. So We'll just get into that next Sunday, so don't forget to tune in for that. Uh, so, about this whole little expedition that we went on from 6 to 11, and how does it relate to our lifetime today? Well, while reading this, in my mind, I would stop and think about all the things that God has delivered me from. 
that I have been in persecution, whether I put myself in that persecution, being mental or whatnot, but at the same time, he's always got me out of it. All we have to do is call upon the name Jesus. And in his timing, he will save us from whatever burden it is. And eventually, he will save us from this earth and eternal damnation. So with that being said, and that's what I'm going to leave you with, I want to thank you all for listening to this episode. I ask that you rate, review, share with your friends and family and all that other good stuff. And God bless y'all. And until next time.